Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Friday, May 31st, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode of Locked on Spartans. Apologies for uh, yesterday. I had planned on doing a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday show this week. That's what I teased Wednesday night. Uh, And I just didn't end up getting time to get to this show on uh, on Wednesday night to record it, and then Thursday I had a busy morning, so it was about I don't know like one thirty ish, two o'clock on um, excuse me on Thursday before I would have had a chance to record. So instead of doing that, uh, I just decided uh, I'll wait and do a Friday episode. So we'll still have the three episodes this week, but you know just a Friday episode uh, for this one. On today's show, we are going to continue. Our position-by-position group breakdown of Michigan State uh, football uh, post-spring football. You know, we're getting to the point where we're pretty much summer here. Uh, But it's still sort of the post-spring depth chart as we make our way and, you know, fill some time here in the offseason. So today we're going to continue to do that. We're flipping from the offensive side of the ball. We're finished with all that uh, to the good side of the ball for Michigan State in recent years, the defensive side. We are going to start today with... Um, what I would contend is Michigan State's strongest unit, uh, the defensive line. It is expected to be one of the top uh, defensive lines in the entire country. If you know uh, anything about college football or really football in general, uh, you know how important and devastating a really great defensive line can be. Uh, you see it all the time, you know, the Alabama type teams and just the really great teams. Clemson last year is a perfect example. Uh, teams with absolutely loaded defensive fronts can ruin college football games for opposing offenses. It, it happens all the time. And if you gave me one position group to be absolutely elite at, um, I'm probably going defensive line first. Um, considering offensive line after that, probably because of the amount of players there, but you know, giving strong consideration certainly to quarterback. Um, but defensive line, I think, is my number one pick there, the group that I want to be the best on the team year in and year out. And this looks to be, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say this is going to be the best defensive line, at least, you know, post-spring heading into the offseason that Michigan State uh, will have ever fielded under Mark D'Antonio. They, they've had some really good fronts, you know, Shalit Calhoun's uh, teams had some really good ones, even going back to uh, you know, the 2010, 2011 season with, uh, 2011 season with, uh, big Will Golson and, and those guys, you know, those were some good defensive lines, but this one is, uh, I think has the potential to be just absolutely special. Um, and, and could, you know, kind of anchor what should be one of the best defenses in the entire country. So we're going to talk about them at length today. Uh, real quick, one thing I do want to talk about, uh, before we do that, and I won't, you know, it'll be a short first segment here. Um, actually, you know what? I got some homework to do. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes. I just jumped way ahead of myself there. started doing the show. Head on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating if you don't mind. Subscribe to the show. Like I always say, it's the best way to get these episodes. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. If you want to be on the show in the future, do a segment with me. I've got a bunch of people who have submitted stuff. Send me a DM there or email LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Send me a pitch of what you would do if you were co-hosting one segment with me, and we will get you on and scheduled up uh, for a segment this summer to join the show. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Okay, there we go. 
<laughs> jump ahead of yourself sometimes and you have things you need to read and you forget about it and you're like, crap, I need to do that or I uh, might get in trouble. Uh, I do want to talk about real quick. Michigan State announced uh, six kickoff times for uh, or kickoff times for six games this season. Uh, and so far, so good. Uh, I wrote about this, spartanswear.usatoday.com, if you want to get my reaction to it, but you're going to get it right now. Anyway, just, you know what? Go there and give me a click. Spartanswire.usatoday.com. Go give me a click. Uh, so we got game times for the Tulsa game, Western Michigan, Arizona State, Indiana, and Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Um, and the, the first thing I noticed was there were no noon kicks. I know some people like noon kicks. I'm not the biggest fan of noon kicks. Um, but, you know, the, the home Friday night opener against Tulsa, continuing that tradition, I think it's eight of the last nine years they've opened up uh, with a Friday night game at home. So that'll be good. Western uh, at home uh, at night, back-to-back home games to start the season. And then they take on Arizona State, and that one's at 4 o'clock on Fox. It's cool it's on Fox, but uh, I wish it was a night game because I think the rumor is that they're going to be wearing the neons for that game. Uh, and supposedly the neons look better at night. Uh, we'll see how that goes. That could be a game that is, uh, you know, full of recruits and things like that. That could be a big early season recruiting thing because you're playing a power five team. So they like to break out the special uniforms when they have a bunch of recruits and things like that. So kind of wish that game was like a seven thirty eight o'clock game. So we could see if those neon uniforms look better at night, but otherwise it's, it's, it's whatever. It's fine. Um, Indiana uh, homecoming September 28th, three 30 or four o'clock kick uh, at Ohio state's going to be seven 30 on either ABC or ESPN. That's one that I think depending on how the seasons are going for both teams uh, could be a college game day potential type thing. If they're both undefeated, both playing really well, um, that could be a big game for sure. And then at Wisconsin, October 12th is three 30 or four o'clock. So no noon kicks so far. That's good if uh, you know you're not the type of person that likes to get up uh, at the crack of dawn to get over to East Lansing to tailgate and things like that. So uh, got that uh, up there. So happy to see that. And all in all, I think it's a pretty good uh, start in terms of scheduling. And it's cool that you know we got six game times here, and if you can start sort of planning different things like that if you want to make it to the Arizona State game or, or whatever. So I was happy to see that uh, and pretty, you know, satisfied with, with how the early six games, uh, you know, the start times for those six games came out. All right, let's uh, take a break right here. And when we get back, we'll actually dig into the meat of the show and talk about the defensive line. You can get Locked on Spartans in the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. The Himalaya podcast app is free, super easy to use, and has all of your favorite podcasts. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's talk about this defensive line. So Phil Steele, uh, if you don't know who Phil Steele is, he does an annual magazine uh, which covers the entirety of college football super in-depth. Uh, and it's just a ranking of everything. They rank the teams, the position groups. It's a giant, uh, amazing preview, and you should definitely read it. But uh, he tweeted out last week because they're sort of in the finishing stretches here of getting that thing uh, to print. It actually might be to print already and should be out, I think, in the middle of June. Um, but he was saying uh, three of the top defensive line units this year are uh, Utah, some other school, I think it was like Arizona or, or something like that, uh, and, and Michigan State. And it was just sort of to like, I'm sure the other two are U- Alabama and Clemson because that's how things work out there. But I think he was just kind of pointing out like, hey, these three teams are going to have really great defensive lines. And so 
he's someone who knows college football, knows uh, the sport, knows all the teams really well, and is someone whose word I trust and his staff and all that. Like uh, if they say something, there's some some truth to it. So he. Uh, and his people seem to think Michigan State's going to have a top five defensive line, and I think it's really, you know, difficult to disagree with that. Uh, you start up front, uh, of course, with Kenny Willickis uh, returning to Michigan State, eschewing the NFL after you know breaking his leg at the end of the season. Probably would have, I don't know, put a little bit of a damper on his draft stock. Wouldn't have killed it because it's a broken leg, and that can be recovered from certainly uh, better than an Achilles or something like that. Uh, but I think it kind of just left him, like he said, with like a sour taste in his mouth. The season didn't go as well for the team. And I think uh, they felt like, you know, him, Joe Bocci, they, they talked about how they felt like they had to come back and they had a lot to play for, a lot of things they still wanted to accomplish at Michigan State. So Wilkes returns for his uh, redshirt senior season and, you know, the, the Big Ten uh, lineman, defensive lineman of the year uh, will be expected to sort of, uh, you know, be a first team all Big Ten guy. Uh, potential All-American. If you look at a way too early mock draft for next season, uh, I've seen him in the first round of probably 75% of those. I just saw one today or yesterday from Roto World uh, that had him at 21st overall, and I've seen him, you know, anywhere from the late teens to, uh, you know, the back end of the first round. He is you know, really highly regarded coming into the season. And I think if he can uh, even improve more as a pass rusher, you know, show a, a new move or something like that, some more refined skills as a pass rusher, because he's still a little bit raw as a pass rushing prospect. He's not someone who people think is going to be able to get after the quarterback and get double digit sacks at the next level. You know, those guys go top 10, but he's more of an anchor, solid run defense, going to make plays behind the line of scrimmage in the run game, can provide you uh, with some pass rush and is just great, you know, great motor, really strong, really fast, good technique and things like that. And is someone who's still sort of coming along as a development guy because he's a walk on red uh, and red shirted and just uh, that sort of growth trajectory, you you know, if you project that forward, you say, hey, look at how far he's come. I bet we can get even more out of him. So he's a really highly regarded pro prospect. Finished last season, 78 total tackles, 20 and a half for a loss, eight sacks and an interception. Uh, recovered a fumble as well, knocked down some passes. Uh, so just an incredibly productive year for him. If he is healthy, um, he's going to hit those numbers again. Uh, like they're, th- that's the thing with this defensive line and we'll go through it. You can't really double people. Um, you can't overcommit to stopping a single guy. Um, like you maybe could at times with, uh, you know, Malik McDowell had some help and he was certainly a really talented guy, but the depth and the skill and the ability on this line is nothing compared to kind of what it was on those teams. And so you could commit extra bodies to a guy who was just, you know, like a physical freak and so on. You had to really key in on with this defense. There's like 11 guys you have to game plan for. Uh, it's going to be really tough for opposing offensive lines. And I think we're going to see that right out of the gates with a team like Tulsa, Western Michigan, um, that front four is going to absolutely eat. And Kenny, you know, I think for him developing, uh, like I said, adding uh, a little bit more in the pass rush, and I'm sure he's aware of that and, you know, how his, uh, like where his stock sits and, and what he needs to get better at to move, you know, even into the top 10, 15 type conversation. If he comes back, has another season with 20 plus tackles for a loss and can get into the 12, 14 range of sacks where he's getting a sack a game, 
um, you know, that could be something where he, you know, you start hearing him as a potential first half of the first round type of guy. Um, and really, it, we just don't totally know with him. He's played for two full seasons, been really productive for both, uh, really productive for one, insanely productive for the second one. And he's just, he's still developing. Um, he's not, you know, one of these guys who's just a, a physical freak who came in with all the talent in the world. I mean, he's certainly really talented, uh, but was, like I said, a walk-on, had to add a bunch of muscle just to be able to play at the D1 level, had to add even more just to get on the field at the D1 level, and then had to add even more just to be able to produce like he has. So I think really uh, sky's the limit for him in terms of uh, future growth and things like that, and I expect him to have an absolutely monster season and like I said, be the you know Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, All Big Ten, uh, competing for an All American, depending on how the team does. And I think he'll be you know all over the Pro Football Focus, uh, highly graded stuff like he was last year. Just expecting more of the same from him. At the other defensive end spot, I'm interested to see uh, you know how things go for Jacob Panishuk. Um, I think he uh, he's interesting because not that he's out of position. Uh, at defensive end, I think that's the most appropriate spot for him on this team. Um, but I think at times he does a little bit more stuff that is like tackle-ish. Like he is someone who is going to be solid in the run game. Is not going to be like uh, you know uh, someone you have to worry about so much as getting after the passer. I think he'll end up uh, you know getting some sacks under his belt for sure. Like he's he's only played two seasons and in those two seasons has three sacks now he wasn't uh you know really a full-time type guy um in either of those seasons um but coming into this season will be the the starting edge uh opposite Kenny and you know not like I just was talking about Michigan State's defensive front is good enough that you can't really double guys and things like that, but there will be, I guess the, the way to say this is the guy on that front who the least amount of attention will be paid to from opposing coordinators is Jacob Panishuk. So I think additional numbers will come from them. And he's a really big uh, athletic dude. Um, isn't someone who uh, kind of like Kenny has all these pass rush moves and things like that, but similarly has, you know, motor, really strong guy. Like you'll see some bull rushes from him uh, and he's he's good at like getting leverage and things like that. And he'll be able to work his way to the quarterback. I think, you know, more than uh, certainly more than he's done in his career. Like I said, he's got three career sacks. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets four or five this season, if he plays the full slate of games. Uh, at this starting defensive end spot opposite of Wilkes and in different sub packages and things like that. I think you could definitely see uh, him line up at tackle and be an effective run stopper, someone who can penetrate uh, and get tackles for loss and things like that. He's got four and a half tackles for loss next uh, last year. I wouldn't be surprised if that number uh, doubled this year, just with you know all the attention on the other guys and him being an improved player and being a part of what is going to be an absolutely nasty front. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops. Um, you know, he came in really as more of a defensive tackle uh, prospect, and has you know been kicked out to edge a little bit. I think, like I said, it fits him. He's, he sort of reminds me in a different way of Marcus Rush. Um, Someone who's just going to be a solid contributor isn't going to wow you with anything, but you know gets stats and plays, uh, makes plays based on effort. 
uh, and strength more than uh, flashy pass moves or, or things like that. He's not you know someone who projects to be uh, a draft pick after this year. He's not leaving after his junior season or anything like that. We'll see how things develop. Uh, but I think he's sort of a nice, solid bookend anchor to uh, complement what uh, Willikas does on the edge because you know he's much more of a uh, splash playmaker from that spot, and then Panashuk is just your solid rock who you're not going to be able to run at, who you're not going to be able to uh, bulldoze out of the way or anything like that. So I think it's a really good duo that they've got there. And yeah, you're not going to get as many explosive plays from a guy like Panashuk, but you're certainly going to get a lot of really good football. Uh, let's kick inside here real quick and talk about the other Panashuk, and then we'll take a break and come back and talk about Raekwon and some other depth guys. Uh, Mike's interesting because he has, uh, you know, he came in, I think he was around like 270, 275 pounds or something like that when he came in, played right away, uh, and has since, you know, bulked up. He's now over 300 pounds. I think he's like, uh, I forget his actual dimensions, like 6'4", 305 or something like that. Uh, here, yeah, 6'4", 305, and he's just like, an absolute monster uh, inside, and it's something that you know doesn't get noticed a ton because he, uh, you know, Michigan State's defense. Uh, Stephen Brooks said this really well when he was on with us talking about potential pros on the roster. Michigan State's defense is not designed for defensive tackles to rack up big numbers. Um, you're just not really going to see it a ton. You'll occasionally see it, um, but it's just not for a guy like Panashuk. It's not an indictment on him that he doesn't come up with uh, a ton of tackles. Like He had five and a half tackles for a loss last year, 24 total tackles, and that's a guy who's playing uh, every single game uh, and a ton of snaps in those games. His job is to make life easy on, on Michigan State linebackers, uh, and he does that phenomenally well. He's a guy who is extremely powerful, uh, damn near impossible to move off the spot, uh, eats up running lanes, eats up blockers, does all the dirty, gross things that you want from a guy in the trenches there that just makes Joe Bocci's life a um, hundred times easier. And I'm sure if you sat down with Bocci and asked him, do you know, tell me about Mike Panishuk, he would just uh, rave about the dude's ability to uh, just anchor in there at, at the point of attack. And like, at the at very worst stalemate like he does not get pushed off the ball uh hardly ever and you uh i think it's just beneficial for everybody someone uh i forget who it was it was a long time ago someone who like knows football might have been chris brown the smart football guy but somebody was asking him like hey when you watch a football game uh what where do you watch because a lot of us uh and i do this too most of the time watch the ball right uh, someone hands it off and we watch where the running back goes. The quarterback drops back, he throws it, and then we watch the ball in the air as the, and see if the receiver comes under it. But a lot of people who really know football well uh, watch the defensive line. Um, and that's what Chris Brown said he does. He watches the defensive line to sort of see how things are playing out. And not that I'm telling you to do that every single time, but you know, just a couple times this season, watch Mike Panashuk and Raekwon Williams and those guys, uh, whoever's playing D-tackle, just watch them for a handful of snaps. You don't have to watch it for the whole game. It's kind of, it's interesting, but it's not as fun and exciting as watching the ball and, and things like that. And, that, you know, that's what I do. Like I said, I, I just kind of watch the ball most of the times. But I always try to make sure and 
take a look at the lines and, and things like that, try to see what sort of blocking schemes are being deployed from the offensive line, how much push they're getting and things like that, and then what the D tackles and edge guys are doing to sort of counteract that. I think there's sort of an interesting thing there that can be really revealing. And if you watch Mike Panashuk, um, you'll see what I'm talking about. Like he is just a monster in there. Like he'll get double teamed and he'll throw a guy off him and he'll hold up the the guard who's trying to slide out and get to the linebacker. And so he's just holding two guys at the point uh, and then the hole never really fully develops. And by the time the running back gets there, it's been diagnosed by the linebacker and he's right at the line of scrimmage to hit the running back for a no gain. Uh, it, it happens all the time, and he's just an absolute monster at that, and that's something that is not going to get recorded uh, as any sort of stat or anything like that, but that's a monster play uh, from him. That's like a perfect play from Panishuk if he does that, and it happens all the time, and he's someone who I think you will hear some NFL chatter about him uh, coming into you know senior season. This will be his last year at Michigan State. Uh, pending health as long as you know he doesn't get uh, severely hurt early in the season or, or miss time and have to redshirt or something like that um, it's going to be his last season and I think when he's done he's a guy that certainly could get drafted somewhere rounds four to six maybe even seven something like that um, but will have the chance to play in the NFL as uh, you know he's more is like nose tackle and D tackle it's kind of changing in the NFL you can't just be a 360 pound huge guy um, unless you're really talented and have great feet and hands like Snacks Harrison or something like that if you want to be uh, you know a situational run stopping D tackle um, their stock is sort of dropping in, in the traditional sense but those guys now uh, instead of 360 pounds or like 300 to 320 and are more athletic and need to be able to move side to side a little bit and things like that. And I think Panashuk's someone who can definitely latch on with an NFL team in that sort of role, a guy who plays a handful uh, of plays in a, in a given team's uh, possession, given series or whatever, uh, and then is used on runs, rundowns and is subbed out. Uh, you know, for pass rushing situations and stuff like that. But as someone who's certainly, you know, you're not going to see him get behind the line a ton. He'll do that a little bit and he'll make some plays. He'll hit the quarterback a couple times and get some sacks. He'll get some tackles for a loss. But his job is to just eat blockers, plug up gaps, uh, and make life on the linebackers really easy for Michigan State. Uh, and he does that really, really well. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, we'll talk about Raekwon Williams and some of the depth guys that fill out this uh, defensive line too deep. Remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Spartans in the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need the free Himalaya podcast app with their personally curated playlists and themed collections of shows. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's talk about Raekwon Williams. Uh, so... The mayor, as Mark D'Antonio calls him, uh, is really interesting to me because he is someone who I'm sort of, I mean, there's a number of younger guys I'm really excited to see and guys in new roles and things like that. But I think of all the people who are returning uh, to their previous posts, the returning starters, the guys that are going to be relied upon, I think I'm most excited to see what Raekwon Williams brings to the table this year because we've seen him really develop. Uh, he came in as a you know a good recruit, a, a pretty highly touted guy, um, and he has turned into just an excellent, excellent uh, college football player. Uh, he's a really big guy, really athletic, um, 
kind of like Stephen Brooks and I uh, when we did the NFL. Uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, NFL potential players on Michigan State's team. I think he had Raekwon at number one, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and he's, you know, someone who red shirts as a, you know, uh, coming out of high school and then is immediately as a red shirt freshman playing uh, a, a bigger role. Last year, he ends up with 10 and a half tackles for a loss, two sacks, uh, 50 total tackles. He's a little bit more of a playmaker than Panashuk. They do similar things, like he stuffs up gaps and things like that, um, just like Panashuk does in the run game. Um, but he's got a little bit more, uh, whatever you want to call it, shiftiness uh, to him. He's a little bit better feet, a little bit quicker, a little bit more of a playmaking ability than Panashuk. And just like uh, Jacob Panashuk and Kenny, Kenny Willekes, uh, Raekwon and Mike uh, Panashuk really complement each other well because they do the things that are, you know, like the dirty work type stuff, the necessary things for the linebackers and for the defense to work they do that sort of grimy stuff but you know Panashuk's this big anchor who holds the point and stalemates and things like that and Raekwon can you know get sort of skinny and slide through blocks and defeat his man uh, and get into the backfield and make make plays a little bit more and you know 10 and a half tackles for a loss from that position uh, in that defense is absolutely nothing to shake a stick at, and I think you could see it get even higher this year, and I'll be really interested to see his sack total because he's been at two, two and a half, and two, and that's just kind of, um, you know, it's pretty consistent, but Panashuk is, you know, usually around one or so, and so Raekwon gets after the quarterback a little bit more than Panashuk, but I will be interested to see if he can add something there uh, and become a better interior pass rusher because that's something that is hugely val- valuable uh, at the next level, uh, you've seen it a million times. It's becoming a cliche. The the best way to get pressure on a quarterback is directly in his face. And guys who can uh, g- generate pressure from the interior, from the, the defensive tackle spots, are so important and so valuable in the NFL. And I think Raekwon has sort of the skill set. Uh, and the ability to be able to do that. And he's someone who we've seen, you know, he, he came in, redshirt, was a good player, and now he's a great player. I've seen him on a couple of these um, early mock drafts in the first round. He's someone who's certainly going to be drafted next year uh, and with a really great season could cement himself as, you know, definitely this guy's going in the first round. And I think that'll start, uh, you know, certainly building off of what he's done already, but adding on to that a little bit more in the pass rush department. If he can get five or six sacks from the interior, which I'm not saying like, you know, I'm expecting him to do that. But if he takes a leap uh, as, a, as a pass rusher from the inside, you can certainly uh, see his name, you know, jumping up on boards and things like that. And he, he's still all the stuff you want out of a defensive tackle. He's big. He's solid. He holds the point of attack. He doesn't get defeated on blocks. He holds up double teams. He makes life easier for people playing around him. Uh, And he's really hard to handle. Uh, If he gets soloed up in a a situation and he's got the ability to beat his man one-on-one and stop a runner behind the backfield um, or, you know, get after the quarterback. And he is more sideline to sideline than you would think. And that's not a prerequisite for playing that position. Although it's it's certainly a benefit. He's someone we've seen him chase down screens uh, and things like that from behind. He's absolutely has great effort, just like all these guys do. Like it's 
ingrained in Michigan State football, like flying to the football. If you want to play defense here, you're going to run after the football constantly. Uh, but he's really athletic, uh, and he's a guy who can, for someone who's 6'4", 300, and whatever pounds, uh, he can absolutely run, and he's got great uh, you know, effort and things like that. So we've seen him track down screen plays and things uh, and make plays that you wouldn't really expect out of a, a defensive tackle. So I have really high hopes for him. I'm really interested to see sort of how he develops. Uh, and just like with Panashuk, take some time this fall to watch uh, Raekwon Williams play, not just when he gets those big splash plays, the tackles for a loss, because of course you see him light somebody up in the backfield, watch him for an entire series or something like that early in the season, just sort of watch him work, watch him defeat blocks, watch his hand placement and things like that, his technique, and how he's just able to get blockers off of him, push guys into the backfield, and just be an absolute monster back there. He's really, really good at football, Uh, really fun to watch play defensive tackle, and as someone who is... Behind Willicus, uh, probably Michigan State's second highest regarded guy in terms of NFL future. And I could see a a scenario where he jumps up and can be someone who's drafted in the 15 to 20 range uh, next season with a great senior season. Uh, As for depth, guys, let me check my time here. All right. Real quick, I'll go over it in just a couple of minutes. Um, Behind those four, so you got a really solid front four uh, behind them. Naquan Jones is certainly locked in at a backup defensive tackle. He's a bigger guy. Uh, I think he's like 340 pounds. He's sort of like a more of a nose tackle-ish guy. But he comes in uh, certainly in big situations, goal line situations, whatever, third and short, fourth and short type situations uh, to be an additional defensive lineman. But uh, is a really good run plug, uh, run gap plugger and things like that. Does some of the same things that uh, Mike Panishuk and Raekwon Williams do uh, in the run game. Isn't so much a playmaker, but is a big body that does not get defeated on blocks and is just really Really reliable and we'll see he should have a bigger role uh than previous tough because he's been stuck behind two really great tackles um and next year will be his chance to have his big role but I think you'll see him uh on the field maybe a little bit more uh in terms of uh or compared to how he was uh, previous years um uh, at a backup end, Jake Camp or Jake Camper, Jack Camper is another guy who's kind of cemented in there. He's been banged up over the spring, but has some experience there. Um, not sure we can expect too much out of him. It would be nice, uh, you know, he's going to get some run this year. It'd be nice to see him get after the passer a little bit and sort of see him uh, grow and develop because he's going to be asked to step in uh, for Willicus. Behind him, uh, there's Diari Todd and Zach Slade. Slade made some plays in the spring game. I'm really interested to see him. He'll be a redshirt freshman. Um, You know, we've been hearing good things. And then the same with Todd. He's someone who's kind of one of these breakout type candidates. Oh, watch for him. Uh, So he's someone who we could see in a limited role this year, and maybe he makes some plays uh, and, and, you know, you see like, okay, that bodes well for the future, but that's kind of all you're expecting out of those guys. I don't see them playing a ton of snaps, uh, unless there's an injury or things like that. Uh, and then also backing up uh, at D tackle, you have Deshaun Mallory, who's kind of a similar situation. Um, it's not a spot where it's going to be easy to find time. Panashuk and Raekwon Williams play against the run. They play against the pass. There will be times where Mallory sees the field, um, but it's just kind of, uh, a similar situation there. We're not going to see him a ton, but he is a solid player. Uh, actually, we, we don't know if he's a good player. I just kind of <laughs> threw that. I was running down the things. Um, but redshirted was a pretty well-regarded recruit. He'll be a redshirt freshman uh, this upcoming season. 
and you know got some sort of shine as like uh, this is a guy on the scout team who's doing really well um, and someone who uh, you'll hear uh, like Coach D'Antonio will get asked every spring, who are some guys we don't know that are going to be good players, that are going to make an impact, that we need to know upcoming. Uh, and Deshaun Mallory is one of those as well, and you want to see just kind of what the future looks like. Um, you don't expect him to play a ton because of the guys in front of him, but he will get an opportunity this year certainly to see the field, and you just want to you know, see if he can get to the quarterback, get behind the line a little bit, make some plays, and do a good job uh, when he's out there, and then you feel good about next season because Raekwon Williams and Mike Panashuk are both going to be gone, so you need, obviously, to replace them. So those are the names. Those are the eight names. We know the four. Uh, we know a couple of the backups, and then you got a couple newer guys with Slade, excuse me, and Mallory. That uh, and Diari Todd, that could be guys to definitely watch out for and just sort of see how they progress this season. All right, that is the end of today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening all week. Again, send in those pitches, lockedonspartans at gmail.com at will underscore underscore hunter, one L2 underscores on Twitter. Email me, DM me, uh, segment ideas, and you can come on and co-host a segment with me this summer. Uh, thanks to Hotels.com for sponsoring today's show. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Uh, we will be back with another fresh batch of Locked on Spartans episodes uh, starting Monday uh, next week. So we will talk to you then. Until then, go green.